All right, folks, here I am, AG Cup, the end of day one, and I'm currently sitting with the international champion, the PRS Golden Bullet owner for the year 2022, Austin Bushman. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks. Awesome. It was so, a pretty decent day of shooting, but made some mental errors. I mean, you're sitting pretty good. Yeah. Sitting pretty it, good. It could have been a lot better, I guess is what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> How many rounds did we shoot today? Do you know? 101, I think. 101? It was either 101 or 102. Okay. Um, so go ahead. Give me your name, sponsors, division, years, shooting, years that you've been competing, things like that. Uh, name's Austin Bushman. I I don't have any sponsors. No sponsors? No sponsors. No. Okay. No, there's some equipment that I absolutely love and wouldn't go without. Right. So... And the, and among those, uh, foundation stocks, okay. and impact actions, and then like they don't give me anything to say that. Uh, burger bullets. Okay. They don't give me anything to say that, and I'm gonna say those are probably like, like my top three that I'm probably the most dedicated to. Just w what I like and what I think makes me consistent. Okay. Um, so you got. Impact actions, you got burger bullets, and you got foundation stocks. What barrels are you running? Bart line. Okay. Trigger? Uh, Bixen Andy Taxport Pro. Optic? A Night Force uh, ATAC R uh, 7 to 35 with a Mil C reticle. Okay. And then brake? It's an Ace brake. And then bipod? It's a Thunder Beast. I, I, I switch between the Thunder Beast and a Harris, depending on the stage. Depending on how wide the barricade is. Yes. It's almost like I heard you say say that once or twice. Yeah, and then um, bags, we bad. Okay, you're shooting a we bad at the Armageddon gear. Yeah, don't cup. don't say it too loud. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one. Okay, so what I like to do is I like to break the ice um, with some questions. Do you have any match superstitions? Any. Say so that again, match superstitions? Yeah. Like things that I just think I have to do in the morning or I'm going to shoot bad or vice versa? Yes. No. No, I don't. Not a lucky pair of socks nope. or anything crazy like that? Nope. Nothing like that. Okay. I, I was an easy I've, one. I've thought about that. Like I've, it's, it, The thought has entered my head, but I, I'm i like, no, that doesn't matter. I'm too logical. I, if, it, if it doesn't affect anything, it doesn't affect anything. Okay. What pays the bills? I work uh, as an electrical engineer for a electric utility. Okay. I would like to say that shooting PRS pays the bills because that'd be awesome, but, but it does it, not. We're not all Doug Cohen's, I guess. <laughs> it, it happens. Um, I noticed that there's a lot of engineers in this sport. Do you think that's a coincidence or just like happenstance? Uh, I've thought about that. I think I can only think of two reasons. So one reason is is just engineers generally make pretty good income, and it's an expensive sport to compete in. And so to start off with, they generally have the means to to compete. Now, if you're asking why they're why are they at the top level, uh, they're it's to me this is the mathematical, analytical, logical sport of the shooting sports. Um, yeah, I would agree. I don't know that that engineers generally think quickly, or but they do think logically, and I think that helps in every aspect of the sport. I think it helps in your reloading, and in your stage prep, 
and in you uh, analyzing your weaknesses yep and and sorting those out and finding the most efficient ways to eliminate the weaknesses so i think all of that might, might play into it and i've noticed uh there's a lot of professions that there's just a few professions that show up a lot at the top but but even if they're not an engineer they still have some of those traits right okay now i'm like thinking about it and i'm thinking of everybody at the top right now and i'm like some type of engineering background engineering background engineering background <laughs> uh dream hunt a dream hunt would probably be in Alaska, I would think. That's the first, first thing that comes to mind. Okay. And I, I would think like a big moose or something like that. Okay. I, also, the although it's tempting to just say uh, where I think I'd actually have the most fun would be like a prairie dog hunt in <laughs> North Dakota. Where I could just, just blast just for days and just take a thousand rounds of ammo and just, just go for yes. it. Just burn a barrel on Yes. Them. Like go-to range snack. Hmm. I don't eat much during the day. Really? No. Nothing They're to like just keep you from getting the hangries or nah, keep the blood sugar Maybe up? a granola bar or something. That's about okay. it. Nothing, but nothing like religious like nope. I always have this in my pack? No, a lot of times okay. I don't have anything. What was your first match? One day or two day? Both. First one day match was at, uh, it was called Texas. They don't, the, the guy that held these doesn't hold them anymore. It was at Amarillo, Texas, and his name was Wes Martin, and still know him. Great guy. Uh, it was called the Texas Precision something. TPPS, I think, were the initials. And there was probably, it was small, small match. There's probably 25 guys there, and I, th I probably placed about 20th out of 25, my first okay. one ever. But I really liked it, and I'm competitive. and I, So I think my fourth match there, I finally won. And then started going to two-day matches after I'd won a few of those and got built some confidence. My first two-day match was uh, the Battle of Breakneck in Nebraska. I drove there all from Oklahoma to Nebraska. Got rained out the first day, and they shot 14 stages the second day, and <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and I think I placed. I tied with Austin Orgain for sixth, but he beat me on the tiebreaker, so I got seventh, which I was super happy with for my first two-day match. Uh, <laughs> top ten at your first two-day. Yeah. That's, that's bonkers. Okay, longest shot with an impact. So, like, we all shoot. We all shoot somewhat long range, but what's your farthest shot with a confirmed impact? Boy, I'm not sure. I, I know. I'm going to say 1,800 yards. Okay, that's pretty darn far. Yeah, that's over. That's over a mile. Yeah. All right. Was that in a match or just no? Out just, with the boys. Just, playing, just out playing. Yeah. Okay. And then one of the more controversial questions I could ask you: How do you clean your pew pew? How do you clean your gun? Man, I don't, I've changed this. And I still change it, and I still plan on changing it. I'm not sure I've got the greatest method. Uh, Whatever you're doing is working because yes. So I try to I try to stay pretty consistent, and for sure, after I clean it, I go shoot a decent amount of rounds to make sure that everything is still leveled tracking. off, and I'm happy with it. That I'm confident that it's gonna that the dope is gonna stay consistent for the whole match. Um, but gen generally, the the Solvents I use, I use uh, Bortec Eliminator, and I use uh, 
Ioso. Yep. And that's the two. Okay. That'd be the two main ones I use. Okay. And bronze or nylon brush? Nylon brush, usually with a patch wrapped around it with uh, just a, a little coating of Ioso. Okay. Um, dry patch first, wet patch first. I like put a wet patch of. Uh, you're getting really detailed on this, so well, I put a, people people like to know. Like yeah. they're like, well, how do they clean your clean? Because I've been asked, and I was like, poorly. Like so, I do bore scope it to get an idea of how how dirty. dirty it is, and then how clean I've actually gotten it. I don't try to scrub it perfectly. Okay. Because I I've done that before, and you have to really go at it with the uh, with different chemicals to get it really clean. Right. I I. I don't clean it in between days at a match, and I, I generally have about 250, 300 rounds before I clean. So I like a okay. whole like, like two day wa match. warm up day, and then the two day match would all be done without cleaning, and I haven't had any negative side effects from that. Okay, like my gun will still still seems like it's hammering at the end of a two day match. So, uh, I don't try to get it perfectly clean, and I bore scope it. I just I just want to see that the throat the the front of the neck and the chamber is cleaned out that there's no carbon in there okay because that's where it's actually going to cause you reliability issues right and I, I push a couple wet patches with eliminator through it and then i let that soak for a while i patch it out with a dry patch or two and then i scrub it a little bit with the iso and then i patch that out with a few more patches of eliminator because they they claim that it's a anti-corrosive and that you can leave it in the bore and whatnot so mm -hmm. that makes me feel good and then i just I kind of run a, a dry patch or two after that. To just make sure everything's. Yeah, make sure it's not leaking. If I if I store it barrel up, it's not leaking down into the action and stuff. Action, yeah. and then it gets in your trigger, and then yeah. we got a bigger bigger problems. That makes sense. Um, when you're when you're cleaning, are you just setting it in like a gun vise? Do you have one of those dependabilts that goes in a vise that holds onto the Arca? Like I've got some little padded jaws in a vise. I just clamp the barrel in the padded jaw so the whole gun's just sitting there. And Rock solid. Yep, I go to town on it. Okay. Those are my main questions. Those are, that's the warm-up round. Okay. That was easy. That was easy. It's the icebreaker, per se. So, first, I, all of your wins are big wins, but the first, like, Big time win of the season was going to definitely be the international match. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you guys went over to France, and you skull-drugged the international shooting community. Um, how how was that basically going over there for the first year? Basically, our shooting Olympics is, is what I'm kind of dubbing it, and other people have kind of, like, equated it to because – Yes, they're shooting in the Olympics, but it's like biathlon yep. and like ten meter twenty two stuff. There's there's not a a Olympic discipline for what we do, and that was basically it. Um, started up the International Federation of mm -hmm. Precision Shooting, right? So going over there first year, not knowing what to expect, not knowing, you know, Corsifier, what their experience with running match. They don't have a match every weekend like we do here in the u.s they've got one every few mm -hmm. months yep. right so how was it going over there and seeing the differences on how matches are run like just give me give so me your we had, rough we had heard some rumors and we were all of us on the team were trying to research as much as we could how they run a match over there because we wanted to be prepared for the course of fire after i looked into it there 
we thought there'd be some really gimmicky stages with, with very wobbly props. We we requested that information, like how is this, you know, give us some idea of what the course of fire is going to be like before we come over. And, and other countries wanted that information too. And mm -hmm. it ended up being a pretty similar to match to what we would hold in the U.S. It was 90-second par times. It was uh, positional heavy, I would think. Okay. But uh, maybe a third of them were like prone or modified prone. Okay. Um, so – it ended up being not very gimmicky, which I had decided. I decided that I didn't know what I was going to see, but I was going to prepare for it just like any two-day match in the U.S. That's, okay. That's why I decided. I didn't do anything different. I took the same exact equipment, um, and I assumed that I would find a way to shoot the stage, even if it was gimmicky, and do my best. And I knew that the gimmicky stages, if there was some, probably wouldn't rule the day. That, okay. that if there was two of those or three of those, if you shot solid uh, on ever on the other 17 stages, that just probably wouldn't matter. Okay. So uh, that I didn't prepare different for that match. It ended up being a pretty normal match for us U.S. shooters. In fact, it was it was difficult for the U.S. shooters, and that meant it was incredibly difficult for the international shooters. There were several of them that kind of hung with us okay. and did really well, but they. But overall, on average, the, the course of fire was very difficult for them. But it, it kind of had to be that way because it had to be set up to where it I mean, worked got, for everybody. Right. You guys kind of already ran away with it. If it was any yeah. easier, I mean, it would have. Yeah. We would have been shooting clean scores right. to make it easier for them. Right. We, didn't, we still didn't drop that many shots on it. Right. Um, we, we took an awesome team. The main thing about that is it was super fun. Like it was, okay. it was an awesome. It was a long time off work. Big. Uh, it was no, what, like two weeks? Big commitment. Yeah, I was. I took two weeks off work. Big commitment for travel expenses, and I took my wife, and that was fun. And most of the guys took family members right. with them, and you just like from like, a ballpark. How much? How much did it cost you to go there? Like for the time period, like probably about seven thousand dollars. Okay. For okay for travel lodging. Food, uh, food va the vacation yep. part of everything, flights, yep. everything else That's like that. By far the most expensive thing I've done in the precision, in the, in the with shooting precision world. rifle. Yeah. yeah, and I did. I won twenty five hundred uh, dollars basically, so that helped offset it. But right. I mean, you didn't go there knowing that. Yes, that, like, exactly. That we didn't, they win. didn't even announce that there was prize money before we went. Right. We it found was, that out after we went. So. It was bragging rights. Yeah. We went there to. Yes. You went there. We went there to prove the, that Team the, USA went there to. To, to reign supreme. Yes. And you did. Um, like, how is it run? What Like, seeing how it's an international match, where, like, was France the main country hosting it? Were there other people, like, helping with, you know, squatting, scoring, like, all that other stuff that were there? Or was it just, like, French-led because it was in it, France? It was an organization in France um, that that ran the match. They had complete control over the match for the most part. The okay. Course of Fire, the IPRF is the international organization that, okay. that organizes this competition. Okay. So and that's the International Precision Rifle Federation for anybody okay. that wants to look them up. So. They had some input on, uh, like, some ground rules for the French organization that was going to run, organize the match. Okay. Um, but the but the organization pretty well could do whatever they want with inside those ground rules, just like a U.S. match director can make his right. match very much 
to his liking. Yeah, tripods within the rules of the, the PRS. Yes, like exactly. whatever whatever type of rules you want. They they had pretty well all local people. They they host uh, some smaller matches with that same range. It okay. was actually a military base in France. There's oh, not wow. there's not many places in Europe where you can, can shoot, shoot long distance, and that's their biggest problem. Uh, just like in the U.S., where where there's less long distance shooting ranges, the sport doesn't grow as much. So right. So they they'd already hosted some matches on that range. Uh, they had some ROs that had had a little bit of experience, but not much. So most of the, re- the match was run with uh, ROs that didn't have a lot of experience, which. You know, there's no other way to do it if right. you don't have a lot of matches over there. So, right. they did a. They, I'd say with what they had, they did a great job. They had two or three staff members for every stage. Like oh, they, wow. they had it uh, very organized, very formal, very uh, rules driven. They had a line that no shooters could cross except for the one guy who was going to shoot that stage. Oh wow! Um, it was it was it was well run as far as that aspect goes. Okay. But the parts of it that uh, I don't. Know if Anybody that shot six or seven years ago, whenever ROs in the U.S. weren't as as good at spotting impacts with small calibers, that's mm-hmm. kind of where we were at with those ROs. Okay. And, and they haven't seen that many impacts on steel, so it's not a it's not a knock on them. They just right had a hard time recognizing it because they didn't have much experience. So. Yeah, it's not like uh, who is it, Adam Lumberg, who's got like one hundred and fifty thousand spotted yes. shots. Yes. Right. Yeah, they, uh, some of these some of these spotters they had, I don't know if they'd had any spotted shots before that. <laughs> they were given a spotting scope and hey, watch told this target. What to do? Yes. Yeah. So wow. So how many days did you guys shoot? Because I know like the days were broken up too. The f- so that we shot over four days. There was a uh, one day for warm up. So I guess we shot on that day too. Okay. Warm up and registration, and then there was a the first day. Uh, there was multiple divisions we took right. two different teams, so there was a tactic or it's like tactical. I'm trying to there's a factory. Fa- there's factory, and then there's um, military division. There's it's not tactical. It's called something else. It's like the tac clack at right. and PRS. It's 308 basically. Yeah, 308 and 223 yes. is what I read in the rule book. So they had that division, then the women's division, a juniors division, all shot. Actually, I think the women shot with open class. If I remember right, the women shot with the mm-hmm. same day as open class, and the seniors. There's a senior division. I'm, I'm forgetting which ones shot on which days, but anyways, right. there was four days of shooting. The first day was some divisions. The second day was open class and women. The third day was the day two of the day the, one divisions, right. and then day four was day two, two for, for the open class. And okay. Women. So it was long and drawn out for sure. What, yeah, was that was was that challenging? Like, given that here in the U.S. we have on a two-day match, train up, day one, day two. Not train up, day one, day off, day two. Like, how do you stay mentally it was, engaged for that long? It Because obviously you're going back to the range and supporting. It was our, actually kind of fun. In the in-between days, we went and toured, did toured <laughs> stuff. and didn't, We didn't have to do anything on, on right. like, day one and day three. The open shooters didn't have to do anything. So that was kind of nice. Okay. Although, if you're trying to cut down on the expense of the whole thing, that wasn't nice because they were there for more days and more lodging and more food and whatnot. But uh, they didn't have much of a choice because they, the way that works is there's almost an unlimited amount of countries that can sign up, and each one of those countries can bring, I think, over 20 competitors if they fill all of the divisions. Wow. So going into this, they didn't know if they'd have 500 people 
or 250 people, and they had to put out the schedule months ahead of time for right. everybody that was traveling. Okay. So it ended up with about 250 competitors, which is a lot compared to, you know, they normally run matches there with 30 or 40 or 50 competitors. So, right. Uh, they did well under those circumstances, and That's awesome. I think it was necessary for them to be able to host that kind of match with that many competitors to break it up into more days. So. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I know that we didn't fill all of the divisions. Like, the senior division had two gentlemen in it, yep. and you need three to compete as a team. We didn't have anybody from um, – the military, I don't think we had anybody from factory. We didn't did have we? any military. We did not have any factory shooters. Okay. So the rules in IPRF are a little different, which is interesting. Factory guns are basically, they list off which parts have to be factory made in the, by the same producer. So, Correct. Um, it has to be barrel, chassis, trigger, action. As far as I know, those are the, like the four parts right. have to be made in-house by the same manufacturer. There's not a lot of guns we use in PRS that meet those requirements. Fit that requirement. So, so like, uh, the ones I can think of would be, like, a Ruger Precision Rifle. Yep. Would fit that requirement. A bone stock one that you didn't. And, and right. you may be able to change a couple parts on it, but it's not price limited. So, for example, uh, what else, the other thing that fits that requirement is an Accuracy International ATX. It's, total, <laughs> it's totally factory gun. The, yep. whole, the, whole, the, the British team won the factory division, and they all used an AI. Uh, an AI uh, ATX, and they used uh, – I don't think there's a limitation on scopes in that division. So oh, wow. they, they all had Schmidt and Bender scopes as far as I know. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. That'll, that'll get the job done. Yeah. Um, and I imagine if the, if the Americans had had a factory team, probably would have taken some pretty nice equipment. We would have found out what we needed. Maybe you, you could use Accuracy International. Right. I really think that if we'd taken an American team and all used Ruger Precision Rifles, we would have dominated that category. Okay. You know, bone stock Ruger precision rifles. I think we would have dominated that category. But right. Okay. It's more. Everybody knows it's more about the shooter than the rifle. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice to take the best of the best, but. Yeah. So we didn't fill sure. that division. We took the senior division. You can have three competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually have four, but they only count the top three scores. So okay. you get, you, whoever's the lowest score on your team, get, their score gets dropped, and the winners are determined by the top three added okay. together. So we only took two, so they couldn't win the team. But our guys won first and second place in the individual. Right. And they actually had more points than uh, some of the teams. The, the two, our two guys that we took had more points combined than like the third place team with, with three competitors. Right. So, but they weren't eligible to get the third place trophy, which sucked. But yeah. uh, the other divisions besides factory and senior were, were filled. Right. And military. Uh, oh, sorry, military. We didn't take any yes. military guys. Yes, that's unfortunate, gonna, too. Gonna, Our military guys that shoot PRS could have dominated that. I am going to be talking to some of the military guys for 2024. And I don't know what their rules are if they're in the military on traveling internationally. I, it could be impossible for some of them to work it out if they're active military. I have no idea. Speaking from that realm, it is possible, especially if we're go- where it's going to be held in 24 in South Africa, that should be doable. Yeah. Granted, each service has their own thing, but there's, I mean, the Army has the AMU. The Air Force has the Air Force shooting team. It's not their primary job like the AMU, but they do get permissive TDY to go travel and do all that stuff. So 
I think it should be doable. Yep. Now, based on country and what requirements, like just go through your service component, and it should we should be able to fill yep. a military team for 24. We so this uh, one thing I want to say about that competition, we, we U.S. did dominate, but I it won't be as much domination if we do win again the next time, and. So these What's because you sold all your guys' stuff to the, the other, <laughs> we, some, some guys did do that. Sell parts that those those guys are desperate for that nice equipment. We oh, I use. bet. So they, there's a lot of offers going around for our equipment. But uh, those countries are all young in the sport, and they are, they've got some very good shooters, very talented guys for how new they are and how little of uh, shooting venues they get to participate at. So... Some of the really, really good countries were Sweden, Norway, uh, the United Kingdom had good teams, South Africa, and then uh, Australia didn't send some of their best shooters. I've shot with some of the best shooters that, from Australia that here in the U.S. that came mm -hmm. over to shoot regular PR match, and they are very good. And so I expect in 2024 that South Africa, Australia, Sweden, Norway, United gonna, Kingdom will be the, the ones to beat as far as yeah, they're gonna send the some US crushers. That the U.S. team has to has to worry about. They're gonna send some crushers. Yeah. Um, anything uh, left for that international match that we didn't cover before we go on to no, this that's season? Pretty good. Okay, so you're also the Golden Bullet winner. This is the tenth year of Golden Bullets in the PRS, and you are the year ten winner for the PRS. Like, how many matches did you end up shooting this year? Like. If, what? You, if you don't count France, which felt like a two-day match to me, it felt like a regular two-day match just in France. But if you don't count that one, I shot seven PRS matches, two-day PRS matches, okay. um, and then the finale. Okay. And you went in with? A 300. 300, yeah, perfect season score. Perfect season score, and for you the went finale. in with 300. And you, I mean, we everybody competed, so it's a normal two-day match, and then it's just whatever percentage of your score – for that match gets added to your season. So it's not like you have to win the the finale. The, the finale yeah. to to I think the last first. Oh, two out of the last 4 years have won both the finale and the season. So this year I got second in the finale. Okay. Tied for second. Uh beat Jeff Gary on the uh, tiebreaker. On the tiebreaker, we had the yeah. same We had the same number of impacts in the match, but got him on the tiebreaker. He actually shot it way faster than me, but but dropped one shot. Okay. So I know he's sick over that. I would be too. Um, yeah. And he shot great. He's shooting great right now. I think he's a shot ahead of me for the AG Cup. Uh, uh, he, he's, burning, he's been burning it down for sure. So uh, Matt Caruso won the finale. Right. By, he was ahead of us by one shot, but he was – the equivalent of three or four shots back in score for right. the season. So combined with the season, uh, I got the golden bullet. Nice. So world champ, PRS champ, how is that affecting your shooting going for this? Because this is basically the triple crown right now I of shooting. So I, I've told this to a lot of guys. Uh, it, I, it affected my shooting in a negative way for this. Uh, so my goal was to win the Golden Bullet. It has been for two years. And I uh, failed last year, got it done this year. But once I won the Golden Bullet, I, I just feel like I don't care about the AG Cup. Now, I do care. Like right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my best effort forward. But I didn't 
prepare the same as I normally would. I, I, I just felt mentally like the season was over as soon as I won okay. the Golden Bullet. So, like you felt that accomplishment, like yes. you set out to meet that goal. Like your goal was to get the Golden Bullet, not yes. necessarily win the AG Cup. Yes. So, and then it'd be awesome to win the AG Cup too. I don't have that many expectations for that. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna do my best. It's very difficult to win the AG Cup because it becomes, after the first two days, you eliminate everyone except for 15, the top 15, and then it's a one-day match. After that, everybody scores reset. Of the top 15 guys that get into day three, anybody can win that. Yeah. And it's whoever just has the best day. Everybody that's shot a one-day match with some other really good shooters, it's not like you can consistently beat the top guys. Uh, right. If you held the, that third day five times in a row, you might have – five different winners five different winners so i feel like that's uh not i don't want to say luck of the draw it's definitely whoever shoots best on the third day but it probability Who wise makes it to the third day and then shoots the best even if oh. you make it to the third day probability wise it's a pretty low draw yeah i mean look at we were talking talking about it uh, yesterday up here at the thing like chad started the chad heckler who won it last year started the first three stages with three sixes yeah. And then he ended up being the champ. So, like, and there was a three-way shoot-off for it last year. Yeah. Which you were a part of, correct? Yes. Yeah, I uh, missed a target. Chad hit it. So, he won the AG Cup last right. year. Like, one one round determined first and second place. Well, yeah. first, second, third place. But, yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, Jason Green was the, yeah, was J- the third place. And so, what you do in the, in the tiebreaker at the AG Cup, you don't go off a time on a stage. You just go to a TYL rack, everybody lays down, and you do it kind of like a spelling bee. If yep. somebody hits it, you either hit it and continue on to the next hardest target or you're out. Right. So Jason was the first one eliminated on the TYL rack, and then I was the second, and Chad won it. That's, so. I mean, I was, I, I was there last year. I was standing there. I was watching it, and just they had Shannon on glass. They had uh, Tom on glass, and about – 15 other people on glass because we all wanted to see what would happen. And then, you know, everybody broke, you know, individually broke that shot. And Chad, Chad ended up hitting it, like, for all the marbles, which was, was just crazy. And then every, you know, pandemonium ensued. It yeah. Was, it was awesome. And actually, at that time, everybody assumes that, like, I must have felt really bad because I missed a shot. Actually, I was really excited to get second place. I know, right? <laughs> You're still in the money. So, yeah. I mean, I, I told myself, well, second place, that's awesome. And, you know, I was happy, I was very happy with that. Yeah, I won. I think I won $10,000 combined with stage wins and, right. and second place. So hard to be mad at that. I mean, I mean, there you go. Like, it, that, that would be hard to be mad if you win ten grand. I, it, yeah. it would, I mean, yeah, you got to pay taxes. Thanks, Uncle Sam. <laughs> but, but I appreciate my paycheck. Um, like, so going in for it this year. You're sitting pretty good. We just got done with day one. We're going to be starting day two. The weather wasn't terrible no, was today. Very, knock on, really knock nice. on wood um, that it holds out. If it was, if it's like this the next two days, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to have to really be on their game. I mean, there it's was a little bit of wind. To, it's supposed to rain. Pretty high chance of rain tomorrow. It looks like it's going to soak us pretty good. Yes. So why wouldn't it? Um, but hey, like. We all came prepared. We all got right yep. here. So it's going to be a great time. Um, what? So obviously your goal was to win the, the, the Golden Bullet this year. How do you set your goals for 
the next season or the current season or whatever. So what are your goals for the 2023 PRS season? I know that's looking ahead that's a lot. That's a good question. I haven't set a goal yet for 2023. I Normally, if I lost, like one, last year, when my goal was to win the Golden Bullet, the second you lose and don't accomplish that goal, I reset the goal. Reset the goal. To, like my goal is still to win the Golden Bullet in the next year. Uh, right now, I haven't made a goal for 2023. I mean, I guess at this point, the only thing to do would be to say I want to try to win it again. Right. Um, and it doesn't. So during the season, I don't think about that goal that much. Okay. I think about how to improve. I think about how to eliminate weaknesses that I discovered from the last match I shot. I think about the preparing for the next match that I'm going to go to and doing my best at that match. The, the goal is not at the forefront of my mind. I'm preparing for the next match and, okay. and trying to be the best shooter I can. You do those things, and the big, the big goal that's in the back of your mind might come true. And that's, okay. and that's what happened for me in 2022. So I don't, I don't necessarily even need to set a goal. I guess is what I'm getting at. Is I'm okay. gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna. I've got several matches I'm planning on going to in 2023, and I'm gonna just try my best at those. And if okay. the scores shake out right, maybe I'll have a chance. There you go. What was the last deficient deficiency you found at a match? Uh, I've got lots of deficiencies. The. <laughs> the the worst that I've uh, that I had in and I still struggle with it sometimes is shooting too fast, um, worrying about the clock more than worrying about breaking good shots, mm -hmm. uh, not watching like in as part of that process of shooting too fast, not watching really where the bullets are hitting, getting okay. satisfied with hitting a target even if I might have hit an edge and wasn't sure. Right. Um, that's cost me the most shots over the last year. Okay. Just shooting too fast. Shooting too fast and not spotting impacts, yep. whether they be a miss or yep. on the plate. Yep. Okay. And that happens almost only on stages that are rushed for time, like 90-second stages with a lot of movement. And I'll get in my head that, man, this is such a fast, such a short time limit. I've got to just shoot super, super fast. And then really that's not true. If I shoot at my regular pace, I'd still finish in time and I and just need to break clean shots and I'd be okay. So. Okay. Any destination matches that you're thinking about for 2023 uh no not necessarily i try to in order to spend the least amount of time away from family or and on the road and traveling i try to just hit the ones that are the closest to me okay uh, which would be all the ones in oklahoma kansas uh, the one in new mexico at raton okay I do have uh, I plan to travel to one i've never been at before which is in navasota okay Leopold Steel Challenge, maybe, in January. Yeah. And then... Uh, the, that frostbite one that's coming up? Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, and I'm, it's probably not going to be that cold down there in South Texas, but we'll see. So, uh, there's that one that I'll have to fly to, and then there's one... I may go to the Hornady one in okay. Utah, which I've... The PRC? Yeah. Okay. Never been to that one. Okay. And and I might have to fly to that one. It's a... It's, 10 or 12 hour drive if I drive to it. That right. sound fun. So those are, those would be like the destination matches that I'm okay. traveling. Uh, I guess probably the only new matches that I haven't been to before. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I want to go to venues that I like I still go to the venues that I go to because they're close to me, but I want to go to different like I haven't shot the Louisiana one day. Yep. Um, 
So I'm still going to shoot one days this year, but my goal is to shoot four two days. Yep. Um, I set some very lofty goals for myself this year. Good. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Um, new job, new requirements, things like that. So still spending time with family and everything like that. This, Like you said, this sport is not cheap. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But it's going to be fun regardless. Um, what... What do you tell the new shooter? Says, hey, I'm interested. Here's you on a podcast. This podcast says, hey, like, I'm interested in getting into this. What do I need to do? So a lot of those, a lot of guys that would ask that question already have a long-distance rifle. Okay. They need to go to a closest one-day match that they can to, okay. to them. Um, I mean, I'm assuming you know, a lot of guys that have asked me that question already have a rifle that's capable of going to a one-day match. Don't rush out and buy equipment because uh, you're going to buy the wrong thing. If you, if you, if you haven't been to a one-day match yet, you're going to go buy a bunch of stuff you don't need. So I would say uh, do your best. Go to the first one-day match you can make it to. Take what you have. Now, the one thing that's probably going to be helpful is, is some kind of scope that can dial elevation okay. for different targets. So you're, But most guys have a, a rifle. Most of the guys that have asked me that question have a a Tika or a Bergara or a Ruger precision rifle mm -hmm. or one of, you know, you name it, but yeah. it's capable. It's a, it's already a factory precision rifle that they've purchased. Like get out, get to the match. Okay. And then you'll learn what you'd really focus on your weaknesses and what, what costs you the most at the match. If it's just you, which it probably is going to be, yep. then focus on that and, Generally, the more times you pull the trigger in a year, the better you get. So That is true. It doesn't have to be rounds down range. It can be dry fire. Do you dry fire? Yes, I do. Like, often, it, do you have, like, a schedule for it? Like, some I people, do you no, have, like, a routine? No, I don't like have a, a schedule. If I have a match coming up, I try to dry fire once or twice okay. for about 30 minutes before the week before the match. Okay. I, I try to dry fire. So, I did a lot more back when I was trying to get good at it. Okay. Because I realized that these guys that are beating me in and shooting positional and just hammering the center of a target over and over must be seeing something different. Like, their crosshairs can't be jumping all around the target like mine are. <laughs> so, Man, they're I, really good at timing stuff. Yeah, so I told myself, I'm going to practice until I like my crosshairs aren't moving around and, and I'm confident that my shots would hit the middle every time. And so I dry fired a lot probably two or three years ago to try and get good at positional and then – after that point, now when I'm preparing for a match, I just want to go out, brush the dust off, and I want to see that I can break nice, clean shots, have the crosshair stay on target, uh, just kind of be buried in the middle of the target as, a, as I break the trigger. And if I can run through a couple practice stages, breaking really nice, clean shots, then I'm, then I'm happy with my preparation for the next match. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything I've, – I've kept you here for 40 minutes. Is there any last – bit of information you want to impart anything you want to you want to throw out there anything that you're excited about latest and greatest gear coming out you said that you're not sponsored by anybody so you don't like you're not on the inside track of whatever is being developed or whatever but like is there anything that you've seen it at a recent match that you're excited to see i can't think of anything so there must not be <laughs> so no no, I would say I'm pretty stuck in my ways when it comes to equipment. I don't switch hardly anything. Right. O almost never do I switch equipment or try something new. 
Um, so I, I haven't heard of anything that I think will be revolutionary to this sport. Okay. So I think the, the basic. See, somebody's going to hear this, and then they're going to challenge you on it. Yeah, they're going to be well, like, we're going to come out with the latest and greatest thing. Maybe they will. That'd be good. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the, me and the Liverpool guys had some crazy ideas that we were talking about in the bunkhouse uh, or in the lodge last night. If we can make those happen. They need to incorporate a timer that pops up in the uh, in the reticle in the inside the scope. Yep. Would I'll, you switch to a low pole then instead of a night force? I can't make that guarantee. <laughs> I figured I'd try and help <laughs> him out. <laughs> yeah. I'd try and help him out. All right. Well, sir, I greatly appreciate you sitting down with me. It's been fun. Um, next time we see each other match, we'll just catch up a little bit and, and get you back on. Say a couple words. All right. All Sounds right. Good. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Yep.